This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code believe for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B L E A V at bet online where the game starts. Campbell in the end zone. They're not keeping this buck off this field tonight. 100 yards. Can you believe it? I still can't believe it. Now presenting Believe in Everything Auburn with your hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. Where you go, everyone? <laughs> Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I am Taylor Davis. He is Jason Campbell. What's up, everybody? Hope you have had a great week since we last spoke. It is SEC Media Days. Your girl is, as promised, boots on the ground and just got back from day two of SEC Media Days here in Nashville. And Hugh Freeze and a few of the Auburn guys took to the podiums and spoke about the upcoming season. So we're just going to give you a quick report and update out of that. And one thing that comes out of SEC Media Days, it's not the most riveting news, Jay. You know how it is. It's it's a little bit of coach speak, a little interview prep, but it just means we are so close. Like it really started to hit me seeing these players and coaches and and kind of talking about how imminent season is like it is truly crunch time and I think that that means more to Auburn than a lot of the schools in the SEC this year well football season is definitely upon us um I will say this today was the first start of training camp for the Kansas City Chiefs so (laughs) the fact that we are in training camp in the NFL that to me signals football season is here so 13 days Auburn is going to put the helmets on they're going to walk out there with a whole new look football team to start off fall camp to see what this team is going to look like for the season. Taylor, 10, 10 of our guys wasn't even here this spring. Uh, that was transfer portal guys. Of course, you yeah. get the high school guys, but 10 of our most veteran guys weren't here. So now yeah. they have three weeks to try to learn a system, try to get Apple, uh, get themselves acquainted, as yeah. I would say, and then get ready to get ready to go play a game against UMass. So there's a lot to un- unravel here coming in the coming weeks, but I'm excited. You know, uh, we got a lot to look forward to. The fact that I can't really tell you what this team is going to look like is exciting within itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. Exciting and nerve-wracking, I think, is an appropriate way. And honestly, it's kind of what – 
Hugh Freeze said to the media today, I thought it was interesting. He he actually reiterated several times, I don't know what we are going to look like if you compare us across the league. He kept saying, have we improved our roster? Have we made Auburn better from the day we got here to now? Yes, I can confirm those are true. Have we closed the gap with Alabama, with Georgia, arguably with LSU, given what expectations are for them this year in Baton Rouge? I don't know. He kept saying, I don't know where we're going to match up because I still have so much to learn about my team. And like you said, several guys that are anticipated to be impact players we just got, they didn't go through spring Peyton Thorne being one of them. So we're sitting here talking about a quarterback battle when we haven't seen this guy with our team at all. So I think that he's, he's being very realistic about this. I, I don't want to say he's being pessimistic because that's not, that's not appropriate, but I, I think he's trying to keep expectations at, at a reasonable level, you know, and he said he opened up the conference today saying, you know, I, I want to thank our fan base. Clearly, the Auburn fan base is what it is for a reason. We have sold out season tickets with a new record number. But I hope that they afford us patience. Like, he is trying to make it a point to say, hope is one thing, but you got to have reasonable expectations because there is so much about this team that we don't know, but there's a lot that the staff doesn't even know. Oh, yeah, most definitely, because a lot of these guys, yes, you've seen them, you hear about them on paper. A lot of these guys that come from high school, it's a difference between high school and SEC football. Yes. You know, so to see some of these guys, there'll be a few guys like Kyan Lee and Keldrick Falk and, you know, Connor Lou. Some of those guys, you are, you expect them expect them to play this year. Yeah. And I really think that they, they're going to pay a lot of dividends uh, for this football team. But all three of those guys have been here since January. Now you get to the, some of the other guys haven't been here since January. So most of them may be red shirt. But then you right. look at guys like, you know, Shorter, the guy we got from North Texas. And then, you know, Larry Nitson, the other guy we got from North Texas. And and just the Burton kid from Ohio State. So it's so many guys. We, we, there's five more I can name. But yeah, just for time's sake, when you think about the guys that, that are going to expect to come in and fill in shoes, they really don't know until they lace it up and actually see them in a game like situation to see like right. some guys are practice players. They can look great in practice, but then the lights come on. It's almost like a deer in headlights. You know, <laughs> it happens. But then some guys are they don't look as good in practice. But when the lights come on, they're ready to go. Right. And they're we call them gamers. No, those are gamers. Those are yeah. guys that just. During the week, they look like the worst football team and worst player on the football team. But then yeah. when the lights come on, they all of a sudden they look all SEC, all American. So right. the first three weeks for this football team was going to be a trial run. And you get a chance to open up, you know, two out of three, I think, is is very good for this football team. Mm -hmm. You know, the California game is going to be a tough matchup. You got to fly out west. I think it's going to be an interesting crowd. I think it's going to be an exciting time. I think Auburn does win that game. But it's a game that you better go and lace it up and be ready to play. Yeah. But the first game, you can get away with mistakes. Sanford, you can get away with some mistakes. Before you play Georgia, it's my game. Like, that's the game I think your first three prepare you for. You get that one at home, that tells you what your football team is going to look like against elite talent. 
I'm still not used to that one being so early. It's end of September. It's just so strange to me. But one of the first things that he was asked about, obviously he got through the pomp and circumstance about how grateful he is for the opportunity, what it's like to be back for him, obviously having gone through many an SEC media days with Ole Miss, then having to step away, being at Liberty for a while, and now back representing Auburn. So he touched on that. He also talked about he didn't dive into it head first, alluding to the problems that, you know, the program has dealt with the past couple of years, but he did acknowledge it and he acknowledged it early. And I was glad he did because I kind of felt like if you don't, someone's going to latch onto this and try and make it a bigger, you know, spectacle than it needs to be. And he really put it in a, a good way. You know, he said that one of his first orders of business when he came in was about reestablishing faith. And he mm-hmm. said, for whatever reason, it wasn't just faith in X's and O's. It's faith mm-hmm. in administration, faith in a coaching staff, faith in your teammates doing the day-to-day things. He said, for whatever reason, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not here to speculate, but the faith was gone. And I thought that was a really good way to put it. You know, you and I have broken down a bit more in specificity what all you know, the past coaching staff and and some administration woes um, put this program through. But I think the result of that was a lack of faith in more than just your on-field performance. And I also think that's what Cadillac brought back. And that's why there was such a spark and such an unspoken energy around a program that was having a losing season. What is that? It's because he reminded everyone what we're supposed to have faith in to begin with. And Hugh Freeze came in saying that. That is the one thing that I want to bring from last year. And I have to make sure that we initiate that. That's really all he spoke about in terms of you know, culture and establishing it was like, that's where it starts. And that's what we have to build upon. And I really thought it was a good way to put it. Oh, most definitely a good way to put it. You know, everything we do in life starts with faith, you know, whether it's in life perspective or whether it's in, you know, having faith that you got, that your teammates is going to do what they got to do, or your coaching staff is going to show up and do what they need to do with their players and everything, because you can't do this by yourself. You know, that's why they call it team. And everyone has a job to do and how well you do your job is going to, is going to show, you know, it's going to show in in the games. That's where practice shows up. And I think for him, it's just the fact that there was a lot of faith lost within the whole organization, you know, even from the top, from the president, you know, we have a new president, you know, even when Alan green, you know, he did an exceptional job in most, in most things and everything and people liked him, Mm -hmm. but what do you get judged on at Auburn? Your hires. Yeah, your hires. And because Harson was his hire and the hire seemed to to, to fail, yeah. you know, it, it came back on him, which was unfortunate because I like Alan Green. A lot of folks really Same. liked him, but it's just the fact that in any job, if if someone that you hire doesn't perform and it's your bread and butter that brings exactly. in all the finances that feeds all the other sports, someone's got to pay the price. And right. unfortunately, he had to pay the price for that. Um, when you think about all the off-field noise that this team has gone through over the last two years, there's more noise off the field than it was on the field. <laughs> you know, so it's just like that's backwards within itself. So there mm-hmm. was a lot of things that had been lost, and it got lost because Auburn stopped doing the things that got Auburn to where it was. And yeah. you have to go back and just restart the ship. That's the only way you can do. You can't try to start in the middle. You can't try to say, hey, whose fault? Nope. It don't matter who fault it was or what happened or, or it is. We're just going to erase everything and just start from scratch. And I think that's yeah. what he had to do with his team 
this spring. You saw a lot of things happening in, in the springtime where he's going out trying to bring in guys that he feel like has an ear to him. Mm-hmm. They're willing to listen to what he's telling them. They're willing to, yeah. to go out and compete. And the guys that are still here, you know, make them understand like, hey, I don't know you. You don't know me. But we better start learning each other fast. Right. Because we got a lot of makeup time. We don't have a lot of makeup time here. You know, the season is coming soon. Yeah. A lot of expectations is within is, is with this job. There's more eyes on Auburn than there is any other team in the nation this year. I think now, so too. And in Oklahoma, probably the other because yeah. that was yeah. his second year. So I would say those two schools have the most probably eyes watching to see what happens. With now with these new coaching staff, right? You know, Oklahoma has one 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 year under them, but now this is the year for them to yeah. see, like, okay, are y'all gonna really do something? So there's a lot to be to take into play here, but you know, if you're Coach Freeze, like, my thing is, can you do any worse than the last two years? <laughs> you know? Right. So, so you got to. And I think that for him, like, there's there's so many layers to it, you know, because obviously his individual trajectory to this point. You're not human if that isn't somewhere in the back of your mind, you know? And I'm not saying that that's driving him or that's his motivating factor, but this means a lot to him. And I don't think he's taking any of it lightly, even something like Media Day and making sure he represents this thing well, because there was somewhat of a risk in hiring him and giving him this opportunity. And so from start to to finish, whenever the heck that is, I I get the sense that this guy wants to give it his absolute best and it's from an earnest and faith driven perspective. And I I really got that from him. It was also interesting, you know, media day for anyone who doesn't know media day is, is kind of a, a big hodgepodge of a bunch of media from all over the country, specifically the Southeast covering, you know, the sec it's held at a big hotel every year, regardless of city in the, a big ballroom is the main stage with the main media. There are lines and lines and lines of tables of media members with laptops and whatever. And then outside of that room, there are other smaller rooms for individual interviews like ESPN, CBS, Fox, secnetwork.com. Like all of those get to set up in individual rooms and guys rotate through there as well. So the main media room is, is probably more of your local or beat writers or things like that. Then you've got the individual rooms. Then you also have radio row, which is like a long strip. There are tables set up on both sides and it is what you expect a row of radio shows. And so the players and coaches also go up and down that and appear on various shows. There is a lot going on, a lot of media opportunities, and obviously a lot of entities are requesting to get interviews from everyone, right? Right. Hugh Freeze, I would be shocked if anyone was doing more media than he was. He was requested, I saw him doing a sports center hit. He was rotating to all of the major network shows. Like I saw Kirk Sampson, who's the longtime Auburn SID, and he was like, I thought they were about to be done. I was like, you ready to head out of here? And he was like, he has six more interviews. Like it was, and I think to your point, there are a lot of eyes and maybe it's not because people expect us to win the natty. I think there's just such intrigue and such curiosity, not only the return of Hugh Freeze, who at one point was one of the best offensive minds in this league and one of the best play callers. And we'll get to that in a minute. 
But this is also on the heels of a really tumultuous couple of years for Auburn. What does this look like? Like, how <laughs> does this marriage come to fruition in a month? I think there's just a lot of curiosity. He's trying to also plant some form of a foundation for Auburn. Yes. You know, everything needs a foundation. And that's why you saw Elijah McAllister there today. This guy just came from Vanderbilt <laughs> to Auburn. And he was at SEC Media Days for us. Yeah. Why? He want to take a high character guy that he knows that he speaks well. But yep. not only does he speak well, this is a guy he can put out in the community or anywhere. And he's going to be a great Auburn guy. People are going to look at him and he's going to exemplify what Auburn supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why Elijah was there speaking today and everything. Because I know people going to have questions like, hey, why weren't, you know, some of these other guys. But. I'm telling you, he's trying he, to show his team what he standard. wants his guy, his standard is. And his yes. standard is, is Elijah McAllister is one of those guys. And uh, that's what, if we get a lot of guys like him, oh, we're in the right direction. So yes. it's all about setting the right foundation, getting this thing steered in the right ship, in the right direction and everything. But I'm, I'm, I, I like the fact that he's spending time talking to people Me too. and everything because this is going – this is going to get us going in the right direction. We've got to get communication back going. We've got to get this bad, this dark cloud that's been around our program for the last two years, you know, back, back open, you know, Correct. and everything. So it takes time. You have to, you have to maneuver through a lot and it's not over. We're going to get a lot more questions first couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. and, and, uh, and he knows that. Yeah. Because here's the thing. And again, I don't like continuing to bring up the past, but until we get going with this season, you do kind of, take from past experiences Mm -hmm. that coaching staff did nothing to assist the narrative around Auburn. Honestly, Mm -hmm. their lack of participation fueled that false narrative. Well, it wasn't really false fueled that negative narrative. Mm -hmm. And to your point about Elijah McAllister, I mean, I was one of them. I texted you immediately and I was like, we got to get this guy on the podcast. Like he, (laughs) he's fantastic. And he does, he Mm -hmm. represents what Auburn has always stood for. And I could tell Mm -hmm. that by talking to him. Uh, Clark Lee Vanderbilt's head coach was asked Mm -hmm. about him because he was like, yeah, the guy that just transferred, he's here representing the school (laughs) he's been at for like six months. And Clark was like, it's no surprise at all that he is here. It's just um, a testament to the kind of human being he is. And I believe he's getting his PhD at Auburn. Like he is incredibly smart. So very impressed by all three of the guys, Luke Deal and Cam Stutz as well. I spoke with them and and they represented the university very well. But um, another point that I wanted to mention, I alluded to it earlier, the play calling, which obviously has been a topic of conversation. Hugh Freeze and play calling have been synonymous majority of his tenure. He hires Phil Montgomery as an offensive coordinator, and and the expectation is actually that Phil's going to be calling his plays. And he spoke about that and said that they actually had a meeting yesterday and they have a couple more planned for this week just talking about kind of their their process and their flow. But he said that Phil is going to be calling his plays. He said, look, it is – it is collaborative. Play calling is a all hands on deck thing. And I certainly have the ability to jump in and adjust or say what I'm seeing. And look, we have heard this from many a coach. He wasn't even the only one in media day saying, yeah, I'm handing the play play calling over, but like I can say something if I want to, you know, they all want to add that in there just in case they change their mind, which a lot of them do. But I think specifically for Hugh, what was interesting is he said, look, I have talked ball with too many people in this league. 
Mm. And you get to the point where when your coaching tree continues to expand, everyone knows what you're doing and the terminology you use to do it. Okay, apologies if you're watching on YouTube. I had to change my setup real quick because my laptop was about to die. If you're a podcast listener, carry on. Okay, so as I was saying, Coach Freeze was talking about his decision in hiring offensive coordinator Phil Montgomery and what he was specifically looking for. And he said, I wanted someone who believed in the same things I do offensively because I want to run the same system. It's worked for me everywhere I go. But my terminology needed to change. He has used the same terminology since he was in high school ball. And he said the more or your coaching tree expands and time spent away from the league, you're talking to a lot of people, you're having a lot of conversations in regards to philosophy and scheme and said terminology. So he said, I needed to bring in someone with simple new terminology for me to implement around the same offensive system that I believe in. So that's ultimately what he found in Phil Montgomery. And he said, I have so much trust in him. I've been very impressed by him so far. And we are having regular meetings to try and make sure that we are a well-oiled machine and doing this together. But the plan is for Phil Montgomery to call his plays. Okay. So um, I, I'm not sure if this is going to be, you know, like a Gus thing who says I'm handing it over. And then <laughs> a couple games in it's like, no, you're not. Um, but honestly, I feel like it, Hugh continues to show his commitment to the bigger picture. And, and I think that he knows what he's up against at Auburn and what all has to be handled. And that isn't just going to be the X's and O's and implementing the offensive scheme that, you know, you made your career off of. There's, there's a lot for you to handle. And I think some of the best coaches are the ones that know how to let other guys coach. Well, the one thing about Freeze, the reason he trusts is Coach Montgomery. Let's just be honest. Coach Montgomery was a head coach at Tulsa for the last, what, eight years, mm -hmm. uh, I believe. Um, so he understands, like, for the philosophies, he understands what he's yeah. looking at. He also understands that Coach Freeze has a business to run. Mm -hmm. Being a head football coach is a business. You're a CEO. Right. And you see Coach Saban was very strong on defense as a defensive coordinator for years. That's how he got, got to LSU before he got to Miami and then to Alabama. It's based off of that. Tell us about the dropper mic. Again. That, so those are the things that – and then once he became in, who did he start hiring? He started hiring Will Muschamp. He started hiring Kirby Smart. You know, all these guys that, that he can trust, that he knows, hey, these guys can run my defense. Doesn't mean he's not going to ever yell at them. <laughs> but he, right. he, he just trusts them because he still yeah. yells. He still, you know, is involved. And I think Coach Freeze is in the same situation where he looks at like, okay, I got a guy that knows my system, but he has a system that's successful as well. Yeah. So when in doubt, I want him to lean to what he does best, but then allow me to still have input when I come in the room as a head coach. There may be five plays a week that I may want to put in as a head coach that I yeah. want to run. I don't know if Coach Montgomery's going to be on the sideline. He's going to be up in the booth. I imagine he's going to be in the booth because, so. you know, some coordinators. I remember I used to ask Coach Borges, "Why do you like being on the sideline?" He was like, "Because I'm more hands-on with you as the quarterback." Yeah. You know, I like to be able to communicate with my quarterbacks. I think the fact that Coach Freeze has been a coordinator, he knows quarterbacks. I think Coach Montgomery goes to the box, and I think he he allows Freeze to do the communication mm. on the sideline with the quarterbacks. You That's know about hey, this is what we want you to do. This is what we're looking for because yeah. why he's right there, so he can immediately grab the quarterback when he comes off the field, and immediately have that conversation with him, and then he can go on into his seat and sit down instead of having to wait and sit down and then 
you know, so there's just a lot to to dissect. And it's all about a rhythm. It's all about a rhythm. Think about anytime you get into any kind of business, it's there has to be some point of chemistry. Yes. And uh, I think it'll take a couple of games for them to get chemistry going because I'm pretty sure Free's going to get ready to call the play. With, oh, my bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. It. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You know, so yeah, you can't be that removed away from it, though. But obviously, a lot of that is going to be predicated on the starting quarterback. And, of course, he was asked mm. about that. And mm. he didn't have a ton of insight to give, obviously, noting that Peyton Thorne did not go through spring. But he said he's very excited about Robbie, gave a lot of credit to Robbie as one of the better athletes that he has had the opportunity to coach, which was certainly one heck of a compliment. Uh, he mentioned Holden, he mentioned Hank Brown, but did say, obviously, Hank's a freshman. So he kind of in some ways ruled him <laughs> out. And shocker. Um, but he did say that his offensive staff is supposed to be giving him a plan within the next week about how they're approaching fall camp in the next mm. few weeks. And he said, I want ten a 10-day plan for three guys to get equal reps. So mm. for 10 days, he wants all three of them getting equal reps. And by the end of that 10, have it down to two, and then the starter come out of that. So he now, whether or not that's just what he's telling us, but he wants to see all three of them for a steady amount of time. And while I think he probably already kind of has his expectation, again, he started out saying there is still so much I don't know about this team. So I do think that it is in their best interest to devote as much time as you can to really seeing everything that there is to see. The risk in that is you are going to close your window of time to build chemistry. But I think you have to just pick the lesser of two evils. And given how little you know Holden's inexperience, Robbie's lack of dimension, and Peyton's newness to campus, you really have no choice. Oh, man. I I know everybody wants to hear my opinion on this, and I'm going to give you a straight opinion. Okay. Uh, I, I really think you know, Robbie is a guy that's an athlete, right? So when he says that, that tells you, one, he's not going to stand on the sideline whether he's not starting or starting. Right. There will be packages for him. What Robbie has to show in fall camp is can he deliver the ball accurately and advance the passing game? Because that's where the Achilles heel was were with him last year. Uh, when you look at a guy like Peyton Thorne, Guys won 11 games before in the season two years ago. I uh, led Michigan State to, uh, you know, a big game in the bowl game last year. They didn't have a really good year. He still put up some similar good numbers. Uh, but a guy that has experience, guy that has leadership ability, uh, something that this team has kind of been needing. So that's why you go and you get a Peyton Thorne. Now, what Peyton don't have is he can run, he can move. He doesn't have the escapability that Robbie has, but right. then he has the passing ability. So there's that take on him. Now, Holden Gurner is kind of like the poker player, you what know, where Holden ends up starting. That would just be a <laughs> plot twist. Well, you know, he's the he's like kind of like the poker player. You know, no one really knows what to expect from Holden. Yeah. You know, we haven't seen him. Last year was a red shirt year. Uh, I heard his teammates speak highly about him of his throwing talent. You know, yeah. you heard pro scouts say what his throwing talent was when they when they did uh, pro, day. pro day this year. So there's and then, like you said, you make a great point. Reps are limited. Yeah. Time is limited. Chemistry is limited. 
because you got to have time and you got to have chemistry with your receivers and everything in order to connect moving forward. I, I do think this, who's ever the quarterback, we don't have to worry about the run game. The run game is going to be solid. Yeah. So the thing is, how do we advance our passing game? And you got some good receivers. You, mm -hmm. you We can't say we don't have receivers this year. Like right. we have some guys, like right. we got some guy that can go get it. And, uh, and the line has beefed up. And the line is good. The line is good. Now, it will take them time to to jail completely yeah, totally. together because they've only practiced in the spring together. But now, yeah. but as far as offense line, it's probably the best offense line we've had since 2017. Yeah. Um, you know, the year we went to the SEC championship. So right. there's a lot. And they have to have chemistry with the quarterback. So there's so many different things that goes along with the quarterback. I think it's going to happen a lot quicker than people think. I think the first week, the first four days, is going to be equal reps. Okay. After the first four days, it's going to go down. One quarterback is going to lose a third of reps. After that, it's going to come down to two guys getting more. They're still getting 50-50 reps. After that first week and a half, it's going to cut down on the second guy. Okay. He's going to lose a third of the reps. Now that third week, one quarterback is getting 60% of the reps. The other quarterback is getting 30% of the reps. And the third screen quarterback is getting 10% of the reps. Mm -hmm. So you want to know at that point in time before the first season starts, because that, that fourth week is game preparing for the game week. Right. And that's when – so you will know going into that who's getting most of the reps. Now, yeah. outside, people may not know. Okay. I may know, but I may not say nothing. Who knows? You know, but <laughs> there's a lot of people that just would not know yeah. until – the week of camp, the week of the first game. I will say this though, I still think you play two quarterbacks the first game. Like yeah, why I not? just yeah, like I don't want to hear what somebody can do in practice because they can't get hit. It's so true. You know, like if somebody coming down through their linebackers coming right down the barrel and about to hit you in between them, hit you underneath the chin, mm -hmm. but you know you're not really gonna get hit. Yeah, you can still stand in there and, and make an accurate throw. I want to see what you do when the game is in a game. And someone's coming, and you know you're gonna get your butt hit. Can yeah. you still stand in there and deliver? That's yep. why I said I think you see two guys the first game. I mean, I I certainly agree with you, and I think our schedule affords us the opportunity to do that. And I think that this coaching staff, if they're sitting here saying they want to allot ten days for three guys to get equal reps in fall camp, they're probably also going to be down to see two guys get live game reps at the start mm -hmm. of season. So right. I, I'm with you there. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you did mention the run game, and I will just say that someone did ask about Jarquez Hunter and his availability or involvement with the team. And Hugh very quickly said all that has been said, which is that he cannot comment on university policy. So mm -hmm. that is the extent of the public knowledge still, I guess, considered a question mark, and we will see what we are meant to see. A couple other specifics that he mentioned were Brian Batie and um, Caleb Burton, but mm -hmm. he didn't really specify that. He just said, this kid shows out on tape. I'm excited to see what he can do. But Brian Batie in particular, I thought this was funny. He said, I honestly thought he was too small when we first got him. I was like, initially, this guy can't run between the tackles. Maybe maybe special teams. He'll be he'll be great for us in the, in the return game. He said, that's on in spring. This guy is getting between the tackles. He's running forward. And I'm like, that guy? Like, 
he was a surprise, which I thought was was cool and and a good compliment that he he plays a lot bigger than he is, which I think will bode well for him. But at the end of the day, I think that for Auburn and and maybe a couple others, but specifically Auburn, so much rides on fall camp. Oh yeah, Auburn. Auburn is if you want attention, you got it. Yeah. You know, and everyone just want to see how you're going to react to, you know, unfortunately circumstances over the last two years, but. Everyone wants to see how you're going to respond as a football team to this new to the this new group. Like, yeah. and you let's be honest, he wants to win bad this year because everyone judges you so much off that first year, yeah. and and it's not just the fan base; it's it's the recruits. Recruits want to see like, okay, like is he going to really make a difference? Because if he yeah. comes in here this year and he wins eight plus games, let's say they win eight plus games this year, we have a top five recruiting class next year for sure. You know, just because people, they will already see like, okay, I see where this is going. So that's, that's why it's so important for uh, for Auburn to get out to a fast start. You got to get out to a fast start. We need to be yeah. going 3-0 and into the Georgia game. Honestly, we need to be 3-0. and It definitely signals that we are so dang close and we can have all the predictions in the world, but we won't know anything until week one. But it is close, people, so we'll know more soon. But that will do it for us today on Believe in Everything Auburn. Hope you enjoyed our little SEC Media Days recap. We will be back next week, likely with a guest, so you won't want to miss it. Make sure you subscribe. If you haven't already, you'll get a notification every time we release and an episode. Might be one of the guys that was at the SEC Media Days today. I hope so, my request, so. because they really impressed. I was proud of them. So, anyway, we'll be back next week. See you then. Until War Eagle. Oh, man. Peace. War Eagle. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.